I call this meeting of the San Francisco Youth Commission to order at 5.04 p.m. Clerk, please call the roll. Um, on the call to roll, Commissioner Wong. Present. Commissioner Wong, present. Uh, Officer Adair. Present. Officer Adair, present. Uh, Officer Wu. Present. Officer Wu, present. Uh, Commissioner Yi. Present. Commissioner Yi, present. Uh, Commissioner Cisneros. Present. Uh, Commissioner Cisneros, present. Vice Chair Listana. Present. Vice Chair Listana, present. Officer Wong, or Fong. Present. Officer Fong, present. Uh, Commissioner Lozano. Present. Commissioner Lozano, present. Uh, Commissioner Ding. Present. Commissioner Ding, present. Uh, Commissioner Fagaunoa. Present. Commissioner Fagaunoa, present. Uh, Commissioner Ansari. Present. Commissioner Ansari, present. Uh, Commissioner Aliotopir. Present. Commissioner Aliotopir, present. Uh, Commissioner Perez. Present. Commissioner Perez, present. Commissioner Lampkins. Present. Commissioner Lampkins is present. Uh, Commissioner uh, Marukin. Present. Commissioner Marukin, present. Um, Officer uh, Lonea Mir. Present. Officer Lonea Mir, present. Uh, Chair Barker Plummer. Present. Chair Barker Plummer, present. Chair with 17 present. You have quorum. Thank you. Uh, before we begin today, I'd just like to take a moment to acknowledge um, the passing of Senator Dianne Feinstein, who before serving in the Senate on behalf of California, served as mayor and supervisor for San Francisco. Senator Feinstein was an incredible leader, a passionate legislator, and a trailblazer for women in politics. As supervisor and then as mayor, she saw our city through some of its toughest times. She proved herself as a strong leader when taking over as mayor following the Milk Moscone assassinations, and she led our city through the HIV AIDS crisis and stood up for our queer community when others failed. As a senator, she championed policies to keep people safe and protect civil liberties of citizens. Her loss is one for our state, our city, and our country, and I'd like to invite commissioners to take a moment of silence in her memory. Thank you. Please call item two. Okay, um, item number two is communications. The minutes will reflect that the Youth Commission participated in this meeting in person with remote access via WebEx. The commission recognizes that public access to city services is essential and invites public participation in the following ways. First, public comment will be available on each item on this agenda. Comments or opportunities to speak during public comment period are available in person and at the podium via phone call by calling 415-655-001, meeting ID 2491-662-1540, then pound and then pound again, or you can join us online through the WebEx system. When connected, you will hear the meeting discussions will be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up, please dial star three to be added to the speaker line. If you've called in or if you join us via WebEx, you may also raise your hand in the app. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing in either of the following ways. Email them to the Youth Commission at youthcom.sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the commissioners and be included as part of the official file. You may also send your written comments via U.S. Postal Service to our office at City Hall in 1 Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, Room 345, San Francisco, California, 94102. Chair, that concludes my communications. Thank you, Cliff. Please call item 3. Item number three is approval of the agenda. Are there any motions? 
Uh, Commissioner Wong, motion to approve the agenda. Commissioner Yee seconds. Motion by Commissioner Wong, seconded by Commissioner Yee to approve the agenda. Um, is there any discussion? Is there any public comment? Chair, there is no public comment. Thank you. Uh, with that, we'll take a voice vote. All in favor say aye. Aye. All opposed say no. Abstentions. Motion passes. Agenda is approved. Please call item four. Item four is approval of the minutes for the September 18, 2023 full youth commission meeting. Are there any motions? Commissioner Dang moves to approve. Officer Lene Amir seconds. Commissioner Dang, motions to approve, seconded by Commissioner Lene Amir. Um, is there any discussion? Is there any public comment? Uh, there's no public comment. Thank you. We'll take this by voice vote. All in favor say aye. All opposed say no. Abstentions. Motion passes. Minutes are approved. Please call item five. Item number five is general public comment for matters under the jurisdiction of the Youth Commission, but not on today's agenda. If members of the public would like to speak, uh, please come to the podium or press star three if you're calling in or raise your hand in the WebEx app. Uh, Chair, you have no speakers. Thank you. Public comment is now closed. Please call item six. Um, item six is presentations. Thank you. Item 6A is Bay Pass support letter. So if we have um, presenters from Seamless Bay Area. Check. Attendee. Can check if. Yeah. I don't know that one. Are we running early? If you are a presenter that is currently using WebEx, please press um, the raise hand function. So I can move you to panelists. Yeah, let's start the, the second presentation okay. if we can. Then item 6B is expanding housing choice zoning program presented by um, members of the planning team of this, uh, from the planning department, the citywide planning division. You have 10 minutes and then we'll have 15 minutes for questions. Am I correct? 10 minutes for a presentation? It's, uh, 10 minutes for presentation and then like five minutes of Q and A. Okay. 15 minutes. Total. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll present a little bit shorter than we prepared, but uh, thank you all. Um, good evening, commissioners. Uh, my name is David Garcia, and here with my colleague, Ran Tong, and colleague, uh, Nicholas Rackard-Hilt. Uh, we're very excited to be here today to present uh, our project, Expanding Housing Choice. We're also joined online by Lisa Chen, our principal planner and the project manager for this project. So we're really excited to share our project and get your thoughts on expanding housing choice and the city, particularly for, from the perspective of youth who are already experiencing the pressures of the housing crisis 
and who are also tomorrow's adults who will uh, experience the benefits of this policy in the future. So today, moving on, I'll begin by providing the, um, some context on why this work is needed and what we're working towards, followed by an overview of the project, and finally a summary of our outreach efforts and opportunities to get involved. So this work is rooted in the stories that we hear and see every day uh, throughout the city, uh, people who are suffering the lack of affordable, accessible housing. Uh, and a lot of people have participated in our outreach project to date. So we ground our stories. Sorry. So we ground our stories in the stories of young people who can't imagine finding uh, an affordable place to live once they uh, graduate college, people with disabilities who can't find services uh, near where they live, with seniors who can't um, you know, imagine living anywhere else but San Francisco but have the challenges of finding something that's affordable, and families who are feeling these pressures as well. So in thinking about the perspective of children and youth and what, how that relates to housing, let's take a look at what percentage of our city are people under 18. Uh, so San Francisco has the lowest uh, percentage at 13% of um, residents who are under 18 years of age. That's the lowest of any other major city uh, compared with Los Angeles, that's around 20%. So just take that into consideration we also have a map here that shows where young people are living in the city, um, particularly in the Mission, in Bayview, Hunters Point, in uh, Western neighborhoods like the Outer Sunset and Outer Richmond. So it's important for us to keep in mind um, you know, where people live as well as the needs of transitional age youth. Um, unfortunately, transitional age youth represent 20% uh, of our total unhoused population, even though they may um, a much large or lower percentage of our actual city's population. So uh, our current system, our current shortage of housing and the services that are geared towards them are not hitting the mark. So in all of these, um, in all of our engagement, young people have constantly raised um, the issue of housing as something that's fundamental to well-being. Uh, not only their own well-being in, in the city, but also education and imagining their future in hopes uh, to stay in San Francisco. But this is every day harder and harder to do. Um, as we see from this map, um, the cost of housing has doubled in the last decade and tripled in the last 20 years. So if we continue this trend, uh, you know, housing is only going to get less and less affordable, so we need drastic action to change this. So at the state level, our leaders are really pushing to uh, create more housing uh, to meet our statewide housing needs. And in San Francisco, we're called on building 82,000 more units. So with that in mind, 56% um, of that 
um, total 82,000 are going to be affordable. So thinking about all of our uh, ambitious goals, we need ambitious actions as well. So in earlier this year, our city leaders, um, after a lot of work with community over the past three years, um, finally uh, passed our housing element, um, which you might have heard of. This is our plan to uh, build not only 82,000 units over the next eight years, but also a number of other actions to support community, preserve tenants, and ensure that we have the affordable um, housing that we so desperately need. So um, this is one part of different uh, actions that are being taken on by our full city government. Uh, we are the expanding house housing choice um, area of work here, uh, but there are also other teams in the city that are working on affordable housing funding and strategies on activating community priorities, working with our equity communities to make sure that we're addressing their needs. And finally, housing production and processing to make it simpler to build the housing that we need. So with that, I'm going to delve a little bit deeper into expanding housing choice, the project that uh, we are uh, focused on, which is the housing element zoning program. So if we take a look at this image, uh, this is an iconic image of San Francisco. And while we you know, love this type of community, love the diversity that we see in San Francisco today, when we think about our housing, it's actually illegal to build that apartment building that you see on the right-hand side. That's because our city was, um, even though we were able to build um, apartment buildings and more affordable, uh, buildings up until, um, you know, through the 20th century. Uh, in 1978, a lot of the city was downzoned, or uh, in other words, a lot of parts of the city were, um, became illegal to build more affordable housing types. So this is what we're trying to undo, because that not only is, um, you know, to preserve, uh, at, at the time it was made, not only to uh, because people preferred single-family homes, but also because they wanted to exclude certain communities uh, in that process and also um, lower-income folks. So we're making a very uh, concerted effort to undo this history of racial discrimination, and that's what we're here to talk to you about today. So if we take a look at this map, um, this provides a little bit of background. Um, the main points that I want to highlight here are um, the map to the left, you see where housing production has been concentrated over the last few years. Um, these are in our eastern neighborhoods, um, whereas the map to the right shows our housing opportunity areas. These are areas that have the highest um, access to uh, good jobs and higher incomes, highest access to schools and other resources like parks and um, lower levels of population. Um, yet these neighborhoods um, known as the housing opportunity areas have only built 10% of all of our housing over the last few years. So this inequity over where our housing has been concentrated is part of what we're trying to undo by focusing and allowing uh, housing in our housing opportunity area. 
So with that, we're focusing uh, on the western side of the city uh, and focusing on creating the conditions to increase um, our housing uh, ability to, uh, for 36,200 units. Uh, and we're going to focus this increase on um, streets with transit, think streets uh, near uh, commercial centers, and uh, that are already well connected to other parts of the city. Also, we will um, continue to allow fourplexes and sixplexes, smaller um, scale developments in other parts of the city nearby. And this is all part of the mayor's housing for all directive um, to promote more housing throughout the city. So um, with that, uh, this is just highlighting some of the uh, consequences if we don't meet our goals. But basically, if we um, are not, we don't complete our rezoning, um, we may lose funding from the state, be subjected to fines and litigation, and, um, and might even lose control of what we are able to approve in the city. So this is um, something that we want to avoid. Um, at the end of the day, too, we won't have the housing that we um, desperately need. Um, so with that, and to talk about the opportunities that we have to meet our housing needs, I'm going to pass the word over to my colleague, Raina Tong. All right, good evening, um, commissioners. Thanks for having us here tonight. I apologize in advance. I will probably have to um, skip through some of the slides just given our time. Um, but diving into the zoning concept proposals, this summer our department released two zoning concept maps that are showing slightly different ways that we're adding housing to meet our housing needs and state requirements. And even though these maps are showing um, two options, we're not actually asking people to choose one or the other. Um, it's mainly um, to illustrate the different trade-offs and solicit feedback and the ultimate proposal will most likely be a combination of the two um, with different variations um, in between. Um, so zoning concept, so zoning concept one shown here uh, shows proposed heights in orange and red, and it spreads housing more widely across the different neighborhoods. Um, and so because it's more widely distributed among neighborhoods, um, the heights are slightly lower along the corridors compared to zoning concept two. And you also see a band of dark blue along these corridors, um, which are, um, they're maintaining existing height limits, and these are typically 40 feet tall. But in these areas, we're proposing to change the rules so that the number of limits um, are no longer limited. The number of units are no longer limited. And in contrast, here is zoning concept two, which focuses on um, the same major streets as you saw in zoning concept one, um, but the heights are slightly the heights are slightly higher than zoning concept one. So, for example, um, along corridors that were proposed as 65 feet in zoning concept one, um, some of them are proposed as 85 feet here. And because the growth is concentrated on these streets, there is no surrounding buffer like you saw in zoning concept one. And to make this be a little bit more real, here are some images of existing mid-rise buildings around San Francisco. Um, these are examples of old and new architecture. And so many people may not even notice or know that these taller buildings already exist in your neighborhood fabric. 
We've heard a lot of um, concern and anxiety around the changes that may happen to neighborhoods, and we want to emphasize that re the rezoning will result in incremental changes. Here are just some of um, the benefits that the rezoning um, or the addition of housing can bring to, to many neighborhoods, and that can be um, stabilizing communities by providing more housing, um, economic benefits, and expanding our tax base. Um, there are environmental and climate benefits um, compared to you know, adding housing on our suburban fringes of the Bay Area. Um, and new housing will be more energy and water efficient. So we recognize that youth today are impacted by the current affordable housing crisis. And it's exemplified in many situations like we heard earlier in the presentation. Um, today's youth will likely see the impacts of these proposed changes down the line. And when you become adults, uh, we want to make sure we're doing everything we can to support the current and next generation. So see, these are some of the um, ideas that we are thinking about as part of the zoning proposal. Um, these ideas could include uh, including spaces for de desired uses like community services and small businesses. We're also thinking about creating requirements for different household types and unit types um, to um, be reachable to the single college student or young adult to families with children. Um, and lastly, we're also thinking about incorporating the business and provider, provider space for more local employment opportunities. So we'd love to hear your thoughts um, on these ideas. And then switching gears to the outreach. Um, this shows our timeline. We have three um, main phases. The first two phases are community engagement um, before the final adoption phase um, in the winter. And our outreach, outreach has included um, in-person and online events from webinars to surveys to focus groups. Um, so this is our range of phase one events. You'll see that we've had um, many different ones. These are the numbers. I'm just given the time. I won't go through all of them. Um, but we've had many um, in-depth uh, conversations and fruitful ones. We've also had open houses at the Golden Gate Park County Fair building and LGBT Center, um, where we heard from um, more than 200 community members. And these are just some of the feedback that we've received so far from our open houses. Um, there is a range of um, appetite for heights and geographies around the city. Um, we also re receive feedback that we need to improve our housing approval process and comments about infrastructure and service needs in addition to the housing. Uh, we also featured some youth engagement boards at our open house, um, and we had been hoping for more participation. Um, and in response to some of the lessons learned, we uh, lessons learned from this engagement, we are hosting a youth space uh, focus group, and we are partnering with um, Wame School on Saturday, October fourteenth at one thirty in the afternoon. So if any of you know anyone who might be interested in joining the focus group, um, please be in contact with their team and we can sign them up. We also have a survey um, that will be open until October 6th and people can provide more in-depth detail or feedback on where and how they want to see housing grow in San Francisco. In the next phase, we'll have very similar outreach and engagement events. Um, so we'll have another survey, a webinar, and open houses. 
Um, those are varying from online and in-person formats, and the dates are to be announced. Um, we also have an email where people can reach us and a um, email list. So if people sign up, they can um, get updates from us. And that's where we'll be sharing all the, um, the dates for these outreach engagement events. And we'll also be posting it on the project website. Um, so with that, this is our final slide. We just want to acknowledge that you know change is hard. Um, it's hard to see change in our neighborhoods, but time and time again, um, San Francisco has responded in crises, and we really believe that this um, program can lead to a more equitable and um, affordable uh, place to live in for our future. Thank you. Um, I do want to acknowledge that we went over a little bit, but I think this is an important, no, you're good, but this is an important topic, um, and I just want to keep that in mind for future presentations as well to give a little bit of leeway so everyone has the same opportunity. Um, I know I have a couple of questions, but I want to open it up to commissioners first. Um, so if you have a question on this or more general issues with housing and planning in San Francisco, please raise your hand. Commissioner Yi. Yeah, so I just had a very quick question, but before I get started, I just want to say thank you for coming to speak with us on this issue, especially with um, how important housing is even to um, us youth. Like, Personally, I don't even know if I can come back to San Francisco after I leave because of how expensive it is to live here. And so I just want to say thank you for coming to speak with us. Um, my question is, I've heard a lot of concern about, and I absolutely agree with um, building new housing. A lot, of, a lot of concern I've heard about is how can we ensure that these units will be affordable um, to the communities that we want to serve? especially because I know demand for, to come to San Francisco is very high as well. So how can we ensure that um, our communities will continue to be served and that they will be able to receive affordable housing? Yeah, sure. Um, there are a couple, um, I guess a couple items to that. Um, one is that we are required as part of the implementation of the housing element. Um, as I, I think as David said, um, to include about 50% um, affordable housing in our planning. And we expect about 25 to 50% of that affordable housing to be in this um, well-resourced neighborhood or housing opportunity area that we're showing you. Um, so that's definitely something that's included as part of um, this structure um, and this proposal. And the other part is as part of those four buckets that David had mentioned earlier as the mayor's housing for all plan, one of them is to really study um, affordable funding um, strategies. And so there is a um, leadership council of people working, um, meeting consistently between fall and winter this year to come up with strategies and um, tools to really help us as a city get um, more affordable housing. And they'll be releasing that report in January of 2024. Um, and then the last thing is we really need to advocate for funding from um, the state to help us you know, build this affordable housing because that has been um, a major challenge. Thank you. Any other commissioners? Commissioner Aliotto Pierre. Um, yeah, thank you for coming in. Um, I was wondering, so you're talking about making all these new buildings, right? Uh, I was wondering how you're intending on keeping SF the SF that we all know and love and not building these houses that just make it San Francisco look like the modern, non-historical, non, like, not saying we need Victorian houses, those are really expensive to make, I understand that, but not making them just look like concrete or plastic white all over our city. 
Like, how do we know that the SF that we all grew up in is going to be the SF that we can come back to in 20 years? Okay. Yeah, I think, um, so there's one part of that, which is we're working very closely with um, another effort that's going on in our department, which is a separate but complementary project um, called the Citywide Survey. And it's really working to identify landmarks in San Francisco to ensure that you know, those are being preserved. So any of those buildings that are being identified as cultural landmarks um, are you know, preserved and not, um, they're going to have to follow you know, our historic preservation standards. And then we're also including a um, objective design standards as part of this project to um, ensure that projects are meeting a certain standard. And that is being um, developed within our department at the moment. And a last part of that, I will say, is um, in addition to, I think, the aesthetics of a building, there's also a big major part of the community service serving uses of a building. And we're working very closely with the Small Business Commission, um, OEWD, uh, Office of Economic and Workforce, Divor um, Economic and Workforce Development Office um, to work with businesses and community members to ensure that you know we're keeping community service businesses and services within our community because that is a big part of you know what San Francisco feels like. Thank you. Um, just to add, um, I would also invite you all uh, again to our open houses um, happening in November, where we're going to be sharing our objective design standards. So this is a chance for you to see kind of what these. Um, guidelines are to help support the development of housing. So if you see something and say, that doesn't look like the San Francisco that I want to live in, you can say and say, I, I want to see this, or I want to see the preservation of these types of uh, different uh, aspects of buildings. So those are um, one place that you can do it, and also just being in touch with us uh, to share your thoughts on especially those design elements that are really connected to our sense of place. Thank you. I think we have time for one more question. And I think I saw Commissioner Wu. Um, but I'm also wondering if I assume staff already have our your contact information. So if you can share that with commissioners if they have any follow up questions. Uh, Commissioner Wu. Yeah, once again, thank you guys so much for coming. I was actually a young planner over the summer. And so um, this feels almost like a full circle moment. But I was wondering if you guys could touch really quick on like the incentives that are out there for developers to build more affordable housing. Yeah, I think there, so we do have some existing programs that are, um, you know, in place. There are some city programs like Home SF, which um, if a developer includes more affordable housing, then they might get uh, more density and height increases, which might um, help them with their project. And there's also some state programs in place that um, many developers have used and applied for um, through our department. Um, which also is very similar. Um, if they uh, include more affordable housing, then they can include more density in their project. And um, as a part of this project and some um, one of the buckets in the Housing for All uh, program, um, we are looking at ways to, um, I guess, improve the process so that um, that less time is taken for approvals, and um, this has been shown to significantly um, increase the time and um, budget that a project needs. So, so that's one of um, the incentives that we're 
looking at as part of the program. So decreasing the process. Thank you. And we'll have one final question from Commissioner Adair. Yep. Um, first of all, we want to, I want to reiterate how thankful for we are that you came here. Um, this is definitely one of the commission's top priorities, but I just wanted to ask about you referenced this in the feedback you got about the housing approval process, because as we know, like that, that's oftentimes a major obstacle to building in San Francisco and many San Franciscans do share, you know, similar sentiments that like, you know, building, um, building units will somehow, you know, real or imagined um, affect like the character of the city. Like what's, 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 what's your, what's your organization's response to, um, to complaints like that? And do you guys have like a strategy for how to um, maybe propose alterations to the housing approval process um, in order to make sure that we do end up hitting these targets in the next decade, um, despite any community objections? Um, yeah, there's, uh, again, with that, those four separate buckets within the housing for all process, one of them is on constraints reductions. And um, I think that one is actually being forwarded to your commission for hearing or has been proposed to do that. Um, so you will likely hear um, some of the changes that are being made to the approvals process, for example, removing the conditional use um, hearing requirement for certain types of um, applications or removing um, discretionary review hearing for certain types of applications. So those are some of the things that are currently being heard. And um, we're also working very closely with the staff um, who are proposing that to see how that relates to this project and how we can also incorporate some of that into um, the rezoning for the housing element. Thank you. And once again, thank you for your time and for your presentation. Um, and I'm, I suspect we'll have follow up questions as well that we can reach out to you on. Uh, but thank you for the work that you all are doing. Um, it's especially important to young San Franciscans who are looking at how to afford to live in the city in the future, um, both who were born and raised here and new neighbors that um, we are hoping to welcome to our city as well. So thank you both. Thank you. Do we have um, the Bay Pass support letter presentation and presenter? Okay. Um, hello? We we can hear you. Okay, uh, just... yes. And um, uh, sorry, I've been trying to log in to WebEx from my computer for the last 20 minutes or so, and it has kind of crashed my computer. So um, I do have some slides that if I am able to get my computer to load them up in the next couple of minutes, I will uh, switch over to my laptop. And if not, I will just uh, talk through it. Um, so Do we uh, my this? name, pardon? Do we, we don't have this, okay. Go ahead, sorry. Um, uh, okay, I was, um, uh, I, I finally have now the slides up on my computer and I'll see if I can get to the WebEx. And if I'm able to get to the WebEx on my computer, I'm gonna switch over to my laptop. Um, okay, so, we can give you a few minutes if that's helpful as well. 
Um, if you can do that, if there is something that you want to um, switch to put ahead while I am able to get the WebEx running on my computer, that would be very welcome. I have been trying to log in for about 20 minutes and I'm only now just starting to get my computer back up. Sure. Um, are we able to move to a different agenda item? Okay. Motion to, okay. Um, so what would the motion be for that? We just move to the next item and then motion to go back later or? Okay. Um, then we'll go ahead and move to item seven, legislations. The first, oh, please call item seven. <laughs> um, ooh, okay. Sorry. Okay. Um, item number seven is legislations. Um, a resolution urging the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency to implement speed reducing infrastructure at intersections, which serve as transition points between freeways and neighborhood streets. Create a, a publicity uh, available to plan, implement safety infrastructure improvement at high injury intersections, which have not yet seen investment by the end of 2024 and urging the city and county of San Francisco to review its Division Zero strategy, intersection safety improvements, first reading. Thank you. Um, I will go ahead and speak because I'm the first sponsor and then I'll hand it off to Commissioners Adair and Lestana. Um, and then we can have any questions or concerns. In August, San Franciscans were once again confronted by a tragic scene and a tragic story. A four-year-old child in a stroller and their parent were hit by a car crossing the street at 4th and King. The parent was severely injured and the child later died. This incident is a stark reminder of the safety issues faced by pedestrians on city streets, as well as the disproportionate impact this crisis has on youth. Today, I am introducing this resolution along with Commissioners Listana and Adair following this tragic death and with the hopes to help prevent future tragedies. This resolution supports the calls from street safety organizations and advocates for safety infrastructure investments, as well as a public plan and timeline for these investments to be made to make sure our city is being accountable. This resolution also calls for a review of current Vision Zero strategies of the city and county of San Francisco. Per San Francisco's Vision Zero policy, the aim is to have zero traffic deaths in the city by 2024. Yet we are disappointingly nowhere near this goal. It is time for our city to review its current strategies, see what is and is what, what is not working, and take real action to save lives. I'm happy to answer any questions from commissioners, but first I'll hand it off to either Commissioner Adair and or Listana if they have anything they'd like to say. Um, I can I can speak first quickly. Um, uh, Chair Barkin Plummer uh, covered most of the specifics, but just two points I want to make is that first, um, I think it's really important that we're addressing uh, Vision Zero. This is this is a high priority for the Housing, Recreation, and Transit Committee last year, especially under Chair Wynn, and I want to make sure that we're um, continuing to make this a priority both on the committee and the commission-wide basis going forward. Um, just wanted to express that here. And also, um, I'm excited to continue working with uh, the chair and the vice chair over the next couple of weeks to make any um, additions or revisions in order to get this um, to its best possible version. Thank you, Commissioner Adair. Commissioner Listana? Um, yeah, I'll just add something. <laughs> Um, I'll just add something like, yeah, personally as well, even though I'm not on HRT, you know, this is just a really important issue within like my district and other 
areas like in the city with high injury intersections this is a big thing and i'm very excited to be continuing to work on like vision zero stuff this year thank you um we're gonna go ahead and read through it for the record um, and i think we'll just go one two three if that works yeah does that work Okay. Um, and then once we've read through it and we've all had a chance to read it, we can take any questions or suggestions. Um, and as a reminder, because this is the first reading, we won't be voting on it, but this is our first opportunity to review it and to provide input. And then in two weeks on the 16th, we will be voting on a second reading. And that's when we will adopt or not adopt this resolution, if that makes sense. Perfect. Intersection safety improvements. Resolution urging the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency to implement speed reducing infrastructure at intersections with service transition points between freeways and neighborhood streets. Create a publicly available plan to implement safety infrastructure improvements at high injury intersections, which have not yet seen investment by the end of 2024, and urging the city and county to review its Vision Zero strategy. Um, whereas on uh, August 15th, 2023, a four year old child was killed and their parents seriously injured by a vehicle on 4th Street and King Street while crossing a crosswalk and Whereas, following this incident, local street safety organizations and advocates called for three major actions from the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency, SFMTA, to address pedestrian safety issues at 4th Street and King Street and other high injury intersections and Whereas, the first action called for the SFMTA to immediately and comprehensively address safety issues at 4th Street and King Street including removing a right turn lane onto King Street, a pedestrian only phase in the crossing light signal system, lowering the speed limit for vehicles exiting the John F. Foran Freeway, Interstate Highway 280, adding additional speed, safe, speed reducing and, speed and safety infrastructure, and taking into account the high number of pedestrians coming to and from Oracle Baseball Park, the N. Judah and T-3rd Muni Metro lines, and Caltrains, and Uh, whereas the second action called for the SFMTA to implement speed reducing infrastructure like reducing lanes and raised crosswalks on the over 25 high injury intersections that service transition points between freeways and neighborhood streets in San Francisco and Whereas the third action called for the SFMTA to create a detailed and publicly available plan for how the city and county will implement safety infrastructure improvements like high visibility painted crosswalks, daylighting, and a pedestrian only phase in the crossing light signal system at the 900 high injury, which have not seen improvements by the end of 2024, and. Whereas the second leading cause of death of children in the United States is motor vehicle incidents, and. Whereas in 2014, the San Francisco Board of Supervisors adopted BOS file 140047, committing the city and county to the goal of zero traffic-related deaths by 2024, yet 2022 saw the most fatalities on city streets since Vision Zero was initially adopted and... Whereas there have been at least 130 collisions involving people under the age of 25 already this year and... Whereas there have already been at least 13 traffic-related fatalities in San Francisco in 2023 and therefore, and therefore be it. Resolved that the San Francisco Youth Commission urges the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency to address and implement the aforementioned actions called for by street safety organizations and advocates, including to 1. Address safety issues at 4th Street and King Street, 2. 
implement speed-reducing infrastructure on high-injury intersections that serve as transition points between freeways and neighborhood streets in San Francisco, and three, create a detailed and publicly available plan for how the city and county will implement safety infrastructure improvements at the 900 high-injury intersections, which have not seen improvements by the end of 2024, and therefore be it. Further resolved that the San Francisco Youth Commission urges the city and county to review its Vision Zero strategy including the effectiveness of current strategies and processes in place to rectify dangerous in intersections and streets in a timely manner, and therefore be it. Further resolved that the San Francisco Youth Commission staff are directed to transmit copies of this resolution to the Office of the Mayor, Board of Supervisors, and San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency Board of Directors. Okay. Um, <laughs> any questions, concerns on this resolution um, so that we can make edits between now and the next meeting. Go ahead. Uh, thank you so much again. Thank you so much for giving us this, uh, this reading, this resolution. I was just wondering what was the time frame on this? And what was the planning for that? The time frame for the resolution or for the, uh, the investments? I guess both, honestly. Resolution should be passed at our next ball. Hopefully, oh, next, hopefully we'll yeah. pass it on next meeting and then yeah. we can send it off. So middle of uh, October. The, I mean, the, there isn't really a clear timeline, particularly from SFMTA as far as I'm aware, but street safety advocates are calling for it to be done, I think within about six months, if yeah. my memory serves me correctly. Thank you. Um, and they want a timeline so that they can commit to when what is gonna get done as well. Um, is this um, resolution mainly only focused on 4th and King Street, or is it like specifically, or is it also brought into other areas where the freeway is transitioning to neighborhood districts or neighborhood areas? It, it's, it is broader. Um, I think that it's important that we look at all of these intersections so that, you know, when the, we can prevent the next tragedy from happening in the first place. Um, there's a decent amount of intersections in San Francisco where it goes pretty directly from highway to um, like city neighborhood streets. So that's my goal is to focus on all of it. This is just an example of what can happen when we don't see those, um, that infrastructure investment. Any other? Seeing none, um, we'll go ahead and call for public comment. Uh, yes, um, if you are calling in for public comment regarding um, this item, resolution on Vision Zero, please uh, press star three or raise your hand in the app. Um, each public comment will be two minutes. You should hear a beep when you're asked to unmute. Hi there. Oh, there we go. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, we can. Great. Hi, this is Evan Arabic. I'm the advocacy manager of Walk San Francisco. Calling to support this resolution and the discussion around it, and particularly because it's incredibly important that youth lead in the movement for safer streets. Youth are at a high risk to be killed by traffic violence nationally, something highlighted by the death of a four-year-old in August. 
as we head into the last year of Vision Zero, we have to come together to envision what's next to ensure we do end pedestrian fatalities. And I really hope that the Youth Commission can continue to lead on this issue. I really look forward to seeing this resolution advance and hopefully working with you all in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Any other public comment? Chair Parker Plummer, there is no more public comment. Public comment is now closed. Um, thank you all. We will get back to this at our next meeting. Uh, I will go ahead and make a motion to go back to item five, six. Make a motion to go back to item six. Can I have a second? Commissioner Yee seconds. Seconded by Commissioner Yee. Uh, all in favor say aye. Aye. All opposed say no. Abstentions, motion passes. Um, and then are we able to move forward with the Bay Pass presentation at the moment? Uh, yes, um, Adina. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, and I am going to need to do this um, without slides because uh, my computer has not been working since I tried to turn WebEx on. Um, so I will just um, uh, talk through it and we'll be happy to answer questions. And um, so the uh, request to the uh, Youth Commission is to uh, sign a letter of support um, to uh, continue and refine and um, ultimately expand the Clipper Bay Pass program. Uh, so the uh, Clipper Bay Pass program, which is something that uh, a, a number of you uh, may be personally familiar with, is an all-agency transit pass pilot program. Um, this program started last year, August, and the first phase of the pilot included uh, students at public colleges and universities and about a dozen affordable housing communities around the region. Um, this is serving uh, currently about 50,000 people around the Bay Area um, at the universities including San Francisco State, uh, San Jose State, UC Berkeley, Santa Rosa Junior College, and uh, mid-pen uh, housing communities. And um, the way that uh, this works is that people who started out with a single agency transit pass, a, a transit pass that works on a VTA at uh, San Jose State or um, AC Transit for UC Berkeley, um, uh, a sample of those uh, students, a selection of those students had their pass work for all transit agencies. So, so instead of only being able to use ATA or only being able to use AC Transit, um, people were able to use um, BART and Caltrain and ferries and um, all of the, the wealth of the transit services. And the outcome of this pilot in its first year is that uh, people whose pass gave them access to all of the transit agencies took approximately 40% more transit trips than peers with a single agency pass. So this um, uh, pilot program to date has been very successful at providing additional mobility to people and it has been successful at uh, regrowing uh, transit ridership that had been um, uh, languishing uh, since the pandemic. 
So the next step for this pilot program is to expand it into employers and to transportation management associations. Transportation management associations are nonprofits um, that tend to support uh, smaller uh, employers, for example, um, people that work for restaurants and retailers and, um, you know, um, uh, not only the large employers. The next phase of the pilot is expected to start at the end of this year for up to 10 employers or TMAs with up to 20,000 participants uh, with the goal of generating new transit riders um, and broadening access to uh, transit benefit programs, which historically has been available um, largely to uh, people working for uh, major employers. And another goal of this program is to provide data in order to uh, refine a program so that it can be rolled out much more broadly. The goal is a past program that can be available to a great many organizations and institutions, um, uh, schools, employers, transportation management associations, any kind of organization um, that will be able to provide an all-agency transit pass, um, which is something that supports sustainable transportation, um, supports uh, downtown revitalization, um, improves employee uh, retention because it reduces the commute stress. Um, there's no longer a need for an organization providing transit passes to decide whether to provide a Muni pass or a BART pass. That is really not a very uh, reasonable question. Providing access to the wealth of the transit services is, is a much better offering. Um, the reason why we are um, uh, reaching out to groups that have supported integrated transit fares in the past um, is because um, the um, agencies that previously had single agency transit passes are um, uh, a little bit nervous in that being concerned that having an all agency transit pass uh, might reduce the customers for a single agency pass. And we think that being able to have a multi-agency pass is something that will be able to get many, many more organizations and benefit many, many more people. Um, so what the letter does is it encourages the um, MTC and transit agencies to approve this next phase of the Bay Pass in the coming year and to use that year in order to, uh, you know, use the data from the pilot to determine a sustainable pricing structure and a revenue sharing formula in order to be able to roll this program out much more broadly in the future. Um, so I believe I did um, include a copy of the letter uh, to the uh, Youth Commission, and um, it is a you know very encouraging letter. It is not uh, you know uh, making any criticisms. It's encouraging this program to move forward and to use the data of the pilot to roll it out more broadly. Um, with that, I'll be happy to answer questions and apologize for my uh, computer not working enough to be sh showing you the slides right now. Thank you. Um, I'll go ahead and open it up to any commissioners um, to either ask questions or make a motion 
to sign on to the letter, we would need someone to motion second and then vote on whether or not to sign on to the letter, just for your information. Um, do any commissioners have questions or a motion? Yeah, so thank you for your presentation. Um, I just had a very quick question is that I know you mentioned that this pass would be used was well, used by students and was is used for different kinds of transit. So in scenarios in places where tr transit might be different, such as in San Francisco, we have Muni and those under 19, I believe, um, ride for free. How would this be applied? Or especially with how you know different transit systems have different rules, um, how does the pass adjust? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it wouldn't have any effect on people who already have uh, free access to transit. Um, so if someone already has that, they would continue to have that. And what it would do um, at a broader rollout would be to uh, provide uh, access to the Bay Pass for additional um, educational institutions beyond the um, initial organizations that were in the first phases of the pilot. Okay, thank you. All right. Um, I'll uh, Commissioner Dare motions to support this letter. Is there a second? Uh, Commissioner Wong seconds. Motion by Commissioner Dare, seconded by Commissioner Wong to support. Is there any discussion? Um, I'll jump in here and ask one question. I know that the Youth Commission has supported this in the past, and I think that long term this is an important um, Thing that needs to be done here in the Bay Area and across probably all transit everywhere at some point. But um, I, I do want to sort of ask, and you, I think that this is sort of answered in part by the fact that you want to give these agencies a year to figure this out. But do you think that this is going to have an impact on the fiscal sustainability of public transit? I mean, in San Francisco, the two main ones that we have, one is uh, SF Muni and then the other is BART. Both are experiencing significant financial hardship, especially post-pandemic. So I'm wondering if you think that now is really an optimal time to do that, as well as how it might impact um, their long-term and short-term funding needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that this has the potential to significantly um, improve finances for transit agencies over time. The inspiration for this program, um, a part of that inspiration was derived from the Seattle metro area where their uh, regional transit pass generates over 50% of the revenue for transit in the Seattle area. Um, so it is a way for uh, many institutions to you know, put in money up front that helps uh, bolster the finances of transit agencies. The um, how to do the revenue sharing in a way that works for all of the agencies is a, um, you know, a, a known to be a kind of a mathematical challenge around the, so around the world, there are many examples of similar programs. And um, so it does take some work in order to be able to craft the program in a way that can roll out more broadly. And um, uh, by figuring this out, this has the potential to be a really significant um, financial benefit for transit. Thank you. 
Is there any other discussion or questions? Seeing none, is there any public comment? If members of the public would like to speak, please um, press star three or raise your hand in the WebEx app or line up at the podium. Chair Barker Plummer, there is no public comment. Thank you. Public comment is now closed. Will the clerk please call the roll? Um, and this is on the motion to sign on to this letter. Um, on that motion, uh, Commissioner Wong. Aye. Commissioner Wong, aye. Officer Adair. Aye. Officer Adair, aye. Officer Wu. Aye. Officer Wu, aye. Uh, Commissioner Yi. Aye. Commissioner Yi, uh, aye. Commissioner Cisneros. Aye. Commissioner Cisneros, aye. Vice Chair Lestana. Aye. Vice Chair Lestana, aye. Um, Officer Fong. Aye. Officer Fong, aye. Uh, Commissioner Lozano. Aye. Commissioner Lozano, aye. Uh, Commissioner Deng. Aye. Commissioner Deng, um, aye. Uh, Commissioner Fagaunoa. Aye. Commissioner Fagaunoa, aye. Uh, Commissioner Ansari. Aye. Commissioner Ansari, aye. Uh, Commissioner Aliotto Pierre. Aye. Commissioner Aliotto Pierre, aye. Uh, Commissioner Perez. Aye. Commissioner Perez, aye. Uh, Commissioner Lampkins. Aye. Commissioner Lampkins, aye. Commissioner Marukin. Aye. Commissioner Marukin, aye. Uh, Officer Lunemir. Aye. Officer Lunemir, aye. And then Chair Barker Plummer. Aye. Uh, Chair Barker Plummer, aye. Uh, this motion passes. Motion passes. Uh, thank you for joining us, and we are excited and happy to sign on. All right, well, thank you very much, and thank you for bearing with me as my uh, computer wrestles with WebEx here. No worries, thank you. All right, thanks. That concludes right. item six. We'll now move to item eight, because we did item seven. Legislation referred. Uh, can you, sorry, can you please call item eight? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry, no, it's okay. Um, Okay, um, item number eight is legislation referred to US file 230446, planning code zoning map, housing production, ordinance amending the planning code to encourage housing production. Thank you. Uh, our presenter is Jonathan Goldberg, legislative aide for District 4 Supervisor Joel Engardio. Um, you have about 10 minutes to present. Um, Great. Uh, good afternoon or evening, uh, Chair Barbara Plummer and commissioners. Um, I do want to make this caveat extremely clear. This is a work in progress as uh, the supervisor was a co-sponsor. Um, the legislation was brought forward by the mayor's office. Um, I, the presentation I have is based on last week's uh, land use and transportation committee. There are a number of amendments um, that will be made to this legislation, and so I hope you don't mind that I am um, selflessly, selflessly uh, using the planning department's uh, presentation on this item. Do you have presentation? Yeah, um, go to, uh, go back, go to Gmail. And so while, um, mm -hmm. While this presentation will get pulled up, um, I do want to uh, hopefully I sort of address the elements that why our office is supporting this. 
um, and why we think that this legislation is, is uh, proposing worthwhile process improvements. Um, but if you also have other sort of objective questions, um, I think it's, those are good to, to note and um, sort of come back uh, when the uh, edits are, are made uh, to the legislation so that you guys can have a, a more thorough update. Um, so my name is uh, Jonathan Goldberg. I work on housing, transportation, and infrastructure uh, for Supervisor and Guardio. Um, uh, you, I was listening to your presentation earlier this evening. You guys have a pretty, had a pretty thorough uh, review of uh, RENA or regional housing needs assessment um, and the housing element goals. You can click next. Um, and so uh, this proposed legislation is one of several pillars that the, the mayor has put forward to help guide the implementation of our housing element. Um, it is uh, not, unfortunately, it's not a sort of a jack of all trades. Um, this is really focusing on a particular aspect about our uh, city's housing development approvals and um, sort of litig litigation process. Um, just for for additional context, because I don't I didn't hear this covered earlier, but um, municipalities have been required to produce housing elements since uh, 1969. Um, it is part of a the city's general plan and provides a blueprint for um, for land use, transportation, conservation, noise, open space, environmental justice, um, and also housing. And when the municipality has a compliant housing element, it unlocks, um, well, it sort of affords the municipality to pursue both state and federal funding. Um, so, <clears throat> um, this legislation, sorry, it is, a little hard for me to see up there. Um, no, no, you're good, you're good. Um, this, this legislation was introduced under this, the, the requirement that we produce uh, 82,000 82, units over uh, the, the next eight years. Um, and really it began uh, because of our housing process is so s slow. Um, I think everyone can attest hear how much they've heard housing been, has been talked about, probably from at a very young age, um, and how regardless of whether it's, you know, put up a 50-story tower by the beach or we need to um, fund 100% affordable housing um, before any market rate housing is built, um, I think we can all sort of agree that there is a housing uh, shortage. For, for folks that want to, to live here and uh, set down roots here. Um, so the, uh, the, the main component of uh, the housing constraints ordinance is that it, it sort of addresses the two issues with um, conditional use approvals, um, which add six to nine months to sort of any housing uh, approval process and uh, conditional use uh, approvals are when something is not principally permitted under state under local code. And with our um, 
with our storied code, um, we have a lot of things that require additional review and approvals. And folks are um, allowed to sort of challenge and request additional review for project elements that don't quite conform um, sort of at various steps in the housing permitting process. So you can hit. So um, the, this legislation uh, basically uh, produces, creates a, a, special, a special use district, which um, will essentially preserve the existing um, sort of discretionary review process that our, our current process has. Um, there's uh, process improvements, there's a standardization of sort of setback requirements, sort of the minutia when it comes to, um, you know, proposing code compliant projects in, in residential neighborhoods. And it provides a, uh, additional incentives for affordable housing. Um, you can go next. Um, so, uh, this map is, is already old, but um, it proposes um, an SUD in priority equity uh, geographies, um, again, maintaining conditional use for uh, basically, you know, all development approvals. You can go next. Um, the process improvements include uh, eliminating whether a project needs to seek conditional use to meet its existing height limits um, for the lot mergers in res uh, residential transit-oriented districts, which my understanding was also amended today, um, removes neighborhood notifi notification for expansion and new con uh, construction. Um, and this is, um, again, a, a lot of these things are, are uh, currently getting changed. Um, you can go next. Um, <clears throat> I think the most contentious thing is under demolition controls. Um, 317, uh, our current code prohibits the demolition of any uh, rent-controlled housing, and this allows for a, uh, a, an approach to demolish a rent-controlled unit so long that a deed restricted unit is uh, one for one is, is built and more housing is built than was originally on the property. So, you know, if, if there's a unit on the property, you have to build at least two and one of those has to be rent controlled. Um, yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> sorry. No, it's it's just it's a long uh, presentation and it's kind of just like wonky. Um, there's a lot of standardization involved. A lot of the west side of the city, you know, had um, very neighborhood specific setback requirements, um, building height, um, you know, rear yard requirements, and, it, and this tries to sort of apply a more uniform approach. Next. Um, Broadens the definitions of active uses. This includes bike parking, you know, laundry uses on the ground floor, um, group designated group housing and homeless shelters as principally used, uh, as principally permitted in all zoning districts. That's to conform with state code. Um, 
the sort of one-year ownership requirement is part of uh, that was part of Mandelman's uh, fourplex program, which allows for folks that want to seek um, up to four units on their single-family home to require those units be um, deed restricted affordable housing. Um, and you can go next. Sorry. Um, I, the other, I think, contentious uh, elements are granting fee waivers. Um, currently, if uh, an affordable housing developer is building affordable housing, they have to pay affordable housing fees on those units they're building. Um, so by reducing those fee payments, perhaps we can sort of uh, help uh, reduce the cost of constructing affordable housing. Um, and the, the last item, uh, eliminating CEQA impacts um, for eligibility requirements. Um, you know, that, I think that's a little confusing. A CEQA review is, is obviously still required, but previously for home SF projects, if, if a project had any uh, CEQA impacts that needed to be mitigated, it would not be allowed to be considered for a home SF development project. Okay. Next. Um, I, I will go next. Um, and I just want to sort of highlight that in um, the last year that we had this available data, um, which was 2020, um, almost 90% of units permitted in the city were for complexes that involved 20 or more units. Um, we, this is really sort of trying to target how process improvement in areas that have you know, four units or six units um, that could be built and really provide opportunities for not just, not developers, but the folks that live in these um, either single family homes or duplexes to be able to create additional generational wealth and pass on that legacy onto folks that, you know, not everyone is, is um, lucky enough to moved to San Francisco, you know, 140 years ago and, you know, strike, strike that rich um, with our current uh, property values. But if someone can get their foot in the door and if they can, and if they have the, the means or the capacity, which the city should help um, these small scale first time um, property owners, if they want to build an additional few units and have a couple of those either deed restricted or um, eligible for uh, rental subsidies, then these are all tools that will help us improve our housing stock. So you still get nervous speaking in front of a group of people, no matter how old you are. We're just teens. I know. <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, I'll open it up to questions. Commissioner Wong. Um, yeah, thank you for presenting. And um, my question is, how will this ordinance ensure that um, the exemption of like certain housing projects from notice and review procedures does not um, like negatively impact the quality of construction or the safety of residents? How, so <clears throat> under state law, um, there, the city cannot um, 
sort of object to a project that proposes, um, cannot object to a development project that meets an objective-based code. So this was a direct um, response to San Francisco's um, sort of lack of housing production when it came to objections over aesthetics or views or a lot of the things that typically as San Franciscans we tend to associate with the city. Um, and so per um, previous planning staff, you know, it, it'll be really important for us to have a very well thought out objective-based planning code so that we can empower the planners that are doing the architectural review that are have um, that are trained in our in our standards, but and also have a, a legal justification to rely on, rather than just sort of saying, "I don't like this project. I need we need to basically send it back to the drawing board." So that part of that consistency will help, um, hopefully, uh, sort of provide assurances to folks that want to build additional units. Thank you. Any other questions? Commissioner Fong? Um, you mentioned that um, the new this bill allows for demolitions of rent-controlled units as long as there is a one-for-one one replacement. Excuse me. Will there be, like, rent control? Will they be at the same price of rent control, or will the new unit be at the market rate for rent control? Um, I admittedly am not fully so this um, is actually required per state law SD 3 330 um, when rent control housing is demolished it has to be replaced I don't know if it you have to offer it at the um, I think there's issues with cost cost of Hawkins in that um, if you're offering a unit um, again there's Apologies. There, there are a lot of variables that I'm vaguely familiar with, but um, if it's if the unit is being offered to the same person that used to previously occupy it, um, my understanding is that it has to be the same sort of rental agreement. But it, if it's um, if it's a new unit and it's occupied by a new uh, tenant, then that sort of is reset to to market rate like you know if, if I were to move out of my rent control department um, I will provide confirmation in writing to so that um, there is some assurance that I'm not just blowing smoke thank you Commissioner Paul? yeah there's also a follow-up are there like um, any provisions in place for people who do get displaced by these one-for-one replacements like in the meantime, while it's getting retrofitted, so there there is like a, a five year look back um, to um, it's there are measures proposed beyond what is already was already listed in the presentation to sort of limit the impact this might have to current rent control. Uh, tenant occupied buildings um, you know it is you're you're not you're, you're supposed to sign an affidavit under that is under perjury 
um, you know, if you have uh, a unit that it that you're proposing to demolish a unit and you are making the claim that it is not tenant occupied, you know, and that you as a landlord have no history of uh, no fault evictions over over the past five years. This is not it was not an exclusive or inclusive list of, of all the tenant protections. Um, again, I can work with your staffers to make sure that you guys have a list of everything that is being proposed um, so that you have a, a are fully informed with the, the how this legislation is evolving. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions from commissioners? Commissioner Wu? Yeah, once again, thank you so much for the presentation. I was kind of wondering, is there like NIMBY sentiment in your district right now? And like, how are you guys addressing that? Um, I think um, housing is a very personal issue for everyone. Um, as, as someone <laughs> who, um, you know, I have, I have been on, you know, I've worked for organizations and been part of organizations that have been through the, the gamut of, of um, housing development um, proposals. I, there is, I think, an inherent um, opposition to seeing your neighborhood change in a way that is beyond your control. And when there are process improvements that might get rid of a notice or get rid of a hearing, um, people get concerned, and they righteously so. Um, you know, the truth is housing may be built, it may not be built um, as a result of this legislation. Um, however, if, if we can at least create sort of that pipeline or, or pathway for people to to build housing in a way that is sensible and you know provides rent control and um, provides sort of the additional guardrails that I think as a city we have sort of enshrined as as part of what um, you know how we we treat our neighbors um, you know I think that that's something that should be Put on the table and uh, you know debated by my boss and the other 10 supervisors on the board thank you any last questions commissioner alioto pierre yeah again thank you for coming in um so mine kind of i had the same question a little bit earlier in the conversation today but i just my main thing for this is I want to keep San Francisco the same San Francisco that we all know. And I realize change is very good. It can be good. It can be bad, whatever like that. Um, and I'm not against change within the city. I think that to make it better, we have to change. But how do we make sure that our neighbors to, that our neighborhoods stay individuals of that neighborhood? So how do we make sure that the marina is still the marina, the hate is still the hate. Sunset is still the sunset. Um, Castro is still a Castro, all of this. How do we know that by putting in this new housing uh, and this affordable housing doesn't change the San Francisco that we all know and love, but also the San Francisco that tourists come to see? 
Sure. Um, so uh, housing that is in Article 10 or Article 11 or on a national register um, of a historic place cannot be demolished. And that is, you know, Article 10 is, is a is a a unit that or a uh, a home or place or object i mean that is um that could have historic value and i think you could probably open this window and throw a, a stone out and probably hit something historic and there there are a lot of um i think uh exclusions that sort of prohibit a, a single family home or a property owner from pursuing this um, uh, development uh, process. However, you know, the, the city and the planning department and our board of supervisors saw this train coming from years ago when the state said you cannot be discretionary with how you review and approved housing permits. It has to be based on objective, measurable criteria. And, you know, not to call out apples to apples, but like if Marin can put together a housing element and have their planning department put up and propose objective, measurable criteria to review housing, then I think we should be able to as well and not do so in a way that, you know, discourages people from wanting to add another unit to their house because they're not sure of the, you know, review and approvals process. Um, I know that's not a direct response to your to your question, um, but, you know, I do not envy the planners that are working on those guidelines because they, um, It'll it'll be tough to, especially given, you know, all the personalities on the board. Um, it'll be difficult to make sure that you know those San Francisco sort of aesthetic values are really uh, represented in our in our planning code. Thank you, and I want to thank you for the time um, you've taken personally. I mean, I'm very supportive of this legislation and the wider plan coming out from Mayor Breed's office. Um, for the city to adopt a housing for all plan. And I appreciate that supervisor and Gordio is signing on to that, especially considering that maybe some of his constituents are not always as bold as he is. But um, I think it's I think it's worth being bold here and I think it's important. Um, and I think we'll talk more about this next week. I do have a question of logistics. So considering that it's being amended significantly and frankly, that I think some of these amendments might either weaken it or have negative effects to it. Do you, what is your recommendation for when the Youth Commission should probably take action on it? I feel like we would not want to take action on it today in order to see what the amendments are, because oftentimes we have a board of supervisors that changes things to be from one thing to something very different. Um, and I'm wondering kind of what you think the best action for us would be considering that you're monitoring this legislation. Sure. So um, land use and transportation voted to adopt um, the, the mayor's office and planning department's amendments today. Mandelman had some, um, Peskin had some 
Um, I, given that they're not meeting next week, um, you know, what is two weeks from now, I think would be wise to have an informational, like maybe, you know, someone can provide a, a brief, like informational update mm -hmm. and then maybe take a position on it either, you know, if they do decide to move it to the full board, um, take a position on it from there. Okay. Thank you for that. Yeah. I think in that case, um, I'll move to continue this to our next full commission meeting on the 16th. And hopefully, either we will have looked through the amendments by then, or we will be able to have someone come and join us who can explain that as well. Um, do I have a second? Seconded. Seconded by Commissioner Fong. Um, is there any discussion? Is there any public comment? If members of the public would like to speak, please press star three or raise your hand in the WebEx app. Chair Barbara Plummer, there is no public comment. Thank you. Public comment is now closed. We'll go ahead and take this by a voice vote, I think. All in favor say aye. Aye. All opposed say no. Abstentions. The motion passes. Thank you for your time, and I'm sure we'll be in contact as these amendments continue, sure. as well as with the mayor's office as well. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That concludes item eight. Please, uh, I'm going to go ahead and have us recess for 10 minutes, come back at 643. This Hello? Okay. I call this meeting back to order at 649 p.m. Um, clerk, please call item nine. Um, item 9 is Appointment, Cities Juvenile Justice Coordinating Council and Student Success Fund Advisory Council. Thank you. Um, 9A is our appointment to the Cities Juvenile Justice Coordinating Council. Uh, there was one applicant per both of these seats and exec uh, moved forward to recommend both of them. So I'm going to go ahead and give a little bit of time to Commissioner Stack Lorenzo uh, to express why they would like this seat, and then we can ask any questions, and then we can vote on it. Perfect. Okay, so my name is Galicia, just so, yeah. Um, so I guess just to reaffirm what I said in my email to Alondra, um, showing my interest in this position, I would really love to represent the Youth Commission on the City's Juvenile Justice Coordinating Council. Um, I've grown up listening to my abuela, who's a court interpreter and who often interprets at 850 Bryant, talk about her experience at the court and her frustration as to how the condition or as to the conditions that many of the youth there face. She interprets for children, parents, siblings, immigrants, and many different like groups of people, um, people who are living in many different situations. And um, yeah, it's just struck me like a lot of the difficulties that people face and things that need improvement. And so I've seen the importance of restorative justice through classes and workshops that I've been a part of. Um, and I would really like to be a part of this council to help make a difference for the youth of San Francisco and families. And I would really like to bring what I learned back to the Youth Commission to help inform our decisions in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any questions for Commissioner Stack Lorenzo? Am I saying Stack Lorenzo? Stack Lozano. What? Stack Lozano. Lozano. There's no R? Okay, sorry. Stack Lozano. Mm -hmm. Loz yes. Yes, great. Are there any questions for Commissioner Stack Lozano? Lozano. Lozano. Oh. <laughs>
Commissioner Wong. Um, I, I don't have a question about that, but um, I'm, yeah. former Chair Wynn is watching and she said that the public can't hear right now. Oh. Great. Thanks for letting us know. It's unmuted. It's unmuted. Tell her her volume is broken. Yeah. Tell <laughs> her to check her volume. Also, we're doing this all I'm scared. Also, our presenter, it worked for our presenter's house. Oh, we're good to move on? Okay. Thank you, Commissioner Wong, for letting us know. I do have one question for Commissioner Stack Lozano. Okay, thank you. Um, so in your, I think in your statement now, as well as in the email that is attached at the very end of our um, supporting documents, you talked about, uh, I've seen the, I have seen the importance of a sort of justice and second chances through classes and workshops that I've attended. I'm wondering, I think that there's a lot of talk about the sort of justice, but I think that actually implementing it is a bigger sort of question and debate. So I'm wondering how you see restorative justice both balancing the needs of individuals who have committed crimes or, have ac or are accused of committing crimes and are being um, are being detained with also the needs of victims to seek justice. Um, sorry, can you repeat the question? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's, there's a lot of conversations we have about restorative justice. This is the background about restorative justice. Um, and I know you referenced that, so I'm wondering kind of what that looks to you like, especially as we sort of have these conversations in SF politics and sort of more generally about what it looks like to have justice for both um, people who have committed crimes or are accused of committing crimes, as well as those who are the victims of those crimes. Okay, so for me, what I've seen often in like restorative justice is it surrounds a lot of conversation um, and kind of being able to hear from different parties who are involved in situations. And I think that is super important when it comes to um, implementing restorative justice um, in regards to, I guess, juvenile justice. Um, and I think that also being a part of this coordinating council, I would get to learn a lot more about what they think about restorative justice within um, the juvenile justice center and just like juvenile justice in general. And I would like to kind of just bring that back to the youth commission and learn more about it in general. So. Thank you. Any other questions? I will say I think um, it's a good opportunity for the Youth Commission to have a seat on this council. I want us to, I think that, and this isn't, I mean, I'm thinking specifically back to um, SFUSD and the issues that they have with sexual assault and harassment. One of the issues is that their restorative justice practice involves having the victim as well as the assaulter in the room with each other. And that is re-traumatizing. And the only way that victims are really able to make their case is if they are brave enough to sit in the same room with someone who's assaulted them and, and face them. And I think that too often in our approaches to criminal justice, we see one side versus the other on both ends. We either see like a tough on crime approach where it's all about the victim and the person, the perpetrator, you know, should be locked up and they throw away the key. We also see this, like, this uh, 
movement towards, you know, how do we help this individual who has uh, committed a crime and needs to be rehabilitated, I think that we also often forget about the victims in that case. So I would just say the reason I asked that question is I think that that's an important thing to keep in mind, and I would encourage you to do that and also to check in with the commission as you do that as well um, and keep us informed so that we can provide our input as well, because I think that's an important issue that I would like our representative on the council to keep in mind. Okay, is there a motion? I'll be happy to motion that. What's the motion? Just it would be, I think it would, well, Alondra left, but it would be either to approve or not to approve the nomination? Mm -hmm. it, would to, yeah, it would be to appoint. Okay, to appoint. Mm -hmm. Okay. Commissioner, you motions to appoint uh, Commissioner Stock Lasano to the city's Juvenile Justice Coordinating Council. Commissioner Wu seconds. Motion by Commissioner Yi, seconded by Commissioner Wu to appoint Commissioner Stack Lozano to the city's Juvenile Justice Coordinating Council. Um, is there any discussion? Is there any public comment? If members of the public would like to speak and have not already done so, please come to the podium, press star 3 if you're calling in, or raise your hand in the WebEx app. Chair Barker Plummer, you have no public comment. Thank you. Public comment is now closed. Can we please have a roll call vote? On that motion, Commissioner Wong? Aye. Wong, aye. Officer Adair? Aye. Adair, aye. Officer Wu? Aye. Wu, aye. Commissioner Ye? Aye. Ye, aye. Commissioner Cisneros? Aye. Cisneros, aye. Vice Chair Lestana? Aye. Vice Chair Lestana, aye. Officer Fong? Aye. Fong, aye. Commissioner Stack Lozano? Aye. Stack Lozano, aye. Commissioner Deng? Aye. Deng, aye. Hey, Commissioner Fagao Noah? Aye. Fagao Noah, aye. Commissioner Ansari? Aye. Ansari, aye. Commissioner Aliodo Pier? Aye. Aliodo Pier, aye. Commissioner Perez? Aye. Perez, aye. Commissioner Lampkins? Aye. Lampkins, aye. Commissioner Marroquin? Aye. Marroquin, aye. Officer Lone Omer? Aye. Lone Omer, aye. Chair Parker Plummer? Aye. Parker Plummer, aye. With 17 aye, 0 nay, 0 up. Abstentions, the motion passes. Commissioner Stack was on though is appointed. Thank you. The motion passes. Congratulations. Nine B is appointee to the Student Success Fund Advisory Council. That's Commissioner Ansari, who I'll go ahead and give an opportunity to speak. I think. Uh, hi everyone. My name is Iman. Um, I believe I'm right for this role as the Youth Commission representative on the Student Success Fund Advisory Council because I will already be working closely with the council to set up listening sessions in my district. Um, by being on the Advisory Council, I'll be able to get an advantage in not only helping my district, but it will also help me in gaining knowledge and experience to help all districts. One of the Student Success Fund's main goals is to help fund recreational programs and other programs that fulfill the needs of students at schools. Recreation is something I'm very passionate in improving and it is something I have experience in. 
So I believe my opinion and input will be helpful when deciding which program students will most benefit from. Um, yeah, that's why. Thank you for considering me. Thank you. Are there any questions? Commissioner Ansari? Seeing none, are there any motions? Um, I'll motion to nominate or appoint uh, Commissioner Ansari to the Student Success Fund. Commissioner Dang seconds. Commissioner, there are motions to appoint, seconded by Commissioner, sorry, there. Dang, um, to appoint Commissioner Ansari to serve as the Youth Commission's representative on the Student Success Fund Advisory Council. Is there any discussion? Is there any public comment? If members of the public would like to speak and have not already done so, please press star three if you're calling in or raise your hand in the WebEx app. Chair Barker Plummer, you have no public comment. Thank you. Public comment is now closed. Can you please take a roll call vote? Uh, yes. On that motion, Commissioner Wong? Aye. Commissioner Wong, aye. Um, Officer Adair? Aye. Officer Adair, aye. Officer Wu? Aye. Officer Wu, aye. Commissioner Yi? Aye. Uh, Commissioner... You yay. Yay. Okay. Commissioner Yay, aye. Uh, Commissioner Cisneros? Aye. Commissioner Cisneros, aye. Uh, Vice Chair Barker Plummer? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Force of habit. <laughs> Vice Chair Listana. <laughs> aye. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Apologies. Um, Vice Chair Listana, aye. Um, Officer Fong? Aye. Officer Fung, aye. Um, Commissioner Lozano or Stack Lozano? Aye. Commissioner Stack Lozano, aye. Uh, Commissioner Deng? Aye. Commissioner Deng, aye. Uh, Commissioner Fagaunoa? Aye. Commissioner Fagaunoa, aye. Uh, Commissioner Ansari? Aye. Commissioner Ansari, aye. Uh, Commissioner Aliotto Pier? Aye. Commissioner Aliotto Pier, aye. Commissioner Perez? Aye. Commissioner Perez, aye. Uh, Commissioner Lampkins? Aye. Commissioner Lampkins, aye. Uh, Commissioner uh, Marukin? Aye. Commissioner Marukin, aye. Uh, Officer uh, Lonamir? Aye. Officer Lonamir, aye. And then Chair Barker Plummer? Aye. Chair Barker Plummer, aye. Um, Chair with 17 ayes, uh, this motion passes. Thank you. This motion passes and Commissioner Ansari is appointed to be the Youth Commission's representative on the Student Success Fund Advisory Council. Congratulations. Uh, please call item 10. Item 10 is trainings. Thank you. I'll go ahead and send it over to, or hand the floor over to Joy Zan. One second. Come on. When you're done. It's fine. I have my laptop here. I mean, the laptop here. Okay. Hello, commissioners. This will be your first training of the year, minus the ones that you all got at retreat. So today we are going to talk about legislations, basically a, the life of a legislation in the Board of Supervisors and in the Youth Commission. Also, what 
BOS committees there are and like what are the types of legislation. So, and also feel free to stop me if you have any questions. Um, there'll be a questioning portion in the end. What is BOS? Board of Supervisors, thank you. There are acronyms and I'm, that might slip up as well. So there are types of um, different types of legislations. In the Board of Supervisors, there are ordinances, resolutions, communication, discussion, hearing, inquiry, motion, report. In the Youth Commission, we only deal with um, five types of legislation, resolution, motion, hearing, discussion, and resolution of commendation. I'll go more into ordinance, resolution, and motions in the next slide. But to quickly go over communication, it says like communication with different departments, with different CBO, uh, community benefit, community organizations, etc. Discussions are like what you have here, discussion items, things that are just being talked about at the Board of Supervisors. Hearings, um, you all may remember last year that in the Youth Commission we had a hearing on two things. On the closure of juvenile hall and school safety, those are the types of things where you will request a department or community organization to come to the, the youth commission and present. It's a little more serious about than a regular presentation that you will just have here because generally they're on specific topics such as juvenile hall and school safety and um, Typically, it is not a good look for the departments to not show up to a hearing request. So, in opposed to just a regular presentation. Um, inquiries, um, those are something that Board of Supervisors um, uh, generally do. Um, it is a specific list of questions that they send to a department and it is publicized and the the response from the departments will also be publicized. Um, motions, motions are um, in the Youth Commission. The motions, oh, actually, there's a specific slide for that. Um, reports, reports are the ones that generally come out of um, a long time research or um, getting feedback from the public. Um, so last year, there was a report on um, human trafficking that came out actually in 2021 and there was a hearing on it I believe right there was a human trafficking report hearing on it that was called by a supervisor Stephanie generally these reports are really important to uh, let's say um, uh, the progress of a program or like a pro the progress of a legislation that was implemented so these are the types of um, resolutions, so legislations, ordinances. Ordinances deal with municipal regulations and laws. That is the city code. Um, they, I always say that there's more teeth to an ordinance because, um, because the code is like what the city needs to abide to in San Francisco. They always include a legislative digest because as you all saw today, the ordinance for or the housing ordinance, it is a hefty packet. There are 60 plus pages, but generally they always have one to three pages that are um, a digest of what it is. There are always 30 day holds on ordinances. 
that 30 day period is for the public to uh, look it over, provide um, public comment, and to just essentially provide feedback. Um, it has two appearances at the board. Um, it's generally, all, I'll talk about it later, it's always referred to a board of supervisor committee. And um, two appearances is like minimum. Sometimes they do take longer. So like, um, such as like today, there's a lot of amendments that was added to it. So um, it may take an additional appearance at the Board of Supervisors. And um, it's only the Board of Supervisors and departments. And the, let's just say like Board of Supervisors are the ones who write the ordinances. Resolutions are formal expressions of intent. This is what you'll be mainly doing in, mainly doing in addition to motions in the Youth Commission. They are formal expressions of intent, opinion, or will. It takes one appearance at the Board of Supervisors minimum. Sometimes when you read, um, there's a document that comes out every week, the legislation's introduced. Um, they will say whether or not it goes to a committee, but sometimes there are resolutions declaring a certain day a, as like, um, there was one declaring um, Korean Chuseok Day. A, so that was referred to the full board without committee reference. That's when they only have one appearance. It's generally the non-debated ones. Um, at the Youth Commission, what happened today is that we had the first appearance because we have two appearances at the Youth Commission. There's the first reading, which you all did today, and um, at the next Youth Commission meeting, there will be two uh, the second time. Generally, in the Youth Commission, that um, it takes minimum two. Rarely do you all take more than two. Um, there are also instances where um, in the Youth Commission, you can suspend the bylaws to pass it in the first time. That also rarely happens, only when like things are very urgent. Motions are actions that are sole authority of the body. It is one appearance. And in terms of BOS motions, the mayor cannot veto that. Um, so motions in the Youth Commission, I'll focus on that, is that um, it is an intent to support something. So for example, last year, there were many motions made in the Youth Commission to support statewide legislation. Um, those in the packet will come with a really short resolution on why the uh, Youth Commission is motioning to support that state um, legislation in addition to a letter of support. So that is what uh, comes in a, in a packet for a motion. Any questions about this? That was a lot. So, yes, Commissioner Ye? Yeah. So you mentioned that a motion is intent to support. So what's the difference between a resolution and like the main difference between resolution and motion? Because from what I saw today, the resolution that we see, we saw was almost like supporting what uh, SFMTA had suggested to take action. Yeah. So in my opinion, and like other staff can also add in, is that um, 
Uh, resolutions are something that isn't that isn't written by someone else already when I look at the differences. Like motions, um, typically from what I see in the Youth Commission, are like supporting maybe like a state legislation and it's supporting a, um, there was also a, like supporting essentially a letter that maybe like a supervisor wrote uh, to go forward. When I see Youth Commission resolutions, it's almost like an idea that wasn't already out there. So you want to make sure that you're urging like the Board of Supervisor, SFMTA, or other departments of, the, some, of something that like either, either hasn't been done or like it's a new thing. Anything else to add you to? No? The, the line between the two of them is not super explicit, I would say. What I would say is if the resolution that I had today had just supported the actions called for by street safety organizations, so Walk SF, which is the first section of that, first half of that resolution, then it would have been a motion because it would have just been signing on to what they were asking for. But we also called for a review of the Vision Zero strategy. So I ho hopefully that's a difference that makes sense. And then also I would say it's both up to the discretion of the commissioner to an extent, as well as in consultation with staff, as well as LAOs and exec as to which one is appropriate. Mm -hmm. I hope that made sense. Yeah, it does. Thank you. Anything else before I go next? Okay. Okay. So in the board of supervisors. Oh, sorry. The, what, what is the difference between a motion that is like written out versus a motion that is just made in a commission meeting? So we motion all the time to approve something. So like, what's the difference? Why do they look different? I actually do not have the answer to that. Um, it's, I don't, uh, I'm always bad with like, if it's the, so, you know, some words like can be, like an, an action, but also a description. So it's kind of the same thing. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm failing to come up with an example. But basically, I mean, every every piece of action needs a motion, but a motion within itself can also be a specific act. So it's like the motion is to sign on to a letter. The motion is to sign on to a campaign. Um, it's like an act within itself, but it's also used as taking action. So it's unfortunately a little confusing. Thank you, Joshua. Okay, so in the Board of Supervisors, this is a life of the legislation. So um, first you have to have the legislation written, of course, if it is an ordinance or a charter amendment, which I also fail to add into the list at first. Um, but just to rewind really quick, um, charter amendments is um, a form of legislation that um, will be put onto a ballot to change the city charter. The city charter is itself a set of laws and um, it always needs um, a majority of the voters in order to pass. Vote 16 itself is a charter amendment because it is in the charter on um, how, what is the age of uh, for voters to vote. So going back here, um, for legislation, the first step is always to have it written. It is the same in the Youth Commission. I will have a separate slide for that. Um, 
Ordinances and charters at the Board of Supervisors can be are always written by the city attorneys. Um, the supervisors themselves and their legislative aides do not write that. However, if it's a, a regular motion or a resolution, they the, their own offices write those. Second is having the legislation introduced. Third, having the legislation calendared on a committee agenda. Like I said, um, many ordinances, charter amendments, other related things, hearings um, are always um, in the committees. There will be a slide with all the entire list of BOS um, committees. Um, and then and after that, once it's heard in committee, um, it receives a recommendation. It can be a positive recommendation or it can be no recommendation. Um, after that, it gets put onto the, the Board of Supervisors agenda and it needs to have a majority vote of the board to um, pass. And then after that, it's sent to the mayor and um, the mayor has 10 days to approve it. If it's not approved within the 10 days, it automatically passes. Um, you have to actively veto it, correct? Oh, yeah. So, like, the mayor only... Yes. Yeah, the, the mayor has two options, or three options, when they receive legislation. They can either sign it and be happy with it, they can do nothing with it for 10 days, and then it just becomes law, and that's them basically saying, like, I don't vibe with this, but I don't not vibe with it enough to, like, veto it, and then they can veto it if they're like, this is, in my opinion, a bad idea. Yes, thank you. For adding that, um, I believe, yes, there you go. Okay, so um, once the legislation is introduced, they can go to uh, one of these seven committees. Um, for example, the legislation that you heard from the District 4 office today was referred to the Land Use and Transportation Committee. There are seven of them, Budget and Finance, Budget and Appropriations, Government Audit and Oversight, Land Use and Transportation, Public Safety and Neighborhood Services, Rules Committee, Homelessness and Behavioral Health Select Committee. Budget and Finance deals mainly with, um, can we take note that a commissioner is leaving? Oh. Yeah. Yes. Want a personal privilege? Yeah, sorry, I just skipped over that. <laughs> yes. Um, I think we have to put that in the notes, that's fine. Um, budget and finance mainly works with the budget um, just throughout the year. So they're usually the one hearing like resolutions or ordinances related to like um, the, I'm blanking out for a sec, um, relating to money. So then budget and appropriations is a little different because um, there's actually two additional supervisors and this committee is only active during budget season. This is the committee that is listening to all the department and presentations. Um, they are the one um, talking about like during ad back season and um, what money should be going back there. How is the money allocated? This is the committee that stays till 1 a.m. So like um, this is the one that we will be dealing with. Yes. This is the committee that we present to, yes, um, once we have the Youth Commission's um, budget and policy priorities. Uh, government Audit and Oversight Committee is usually... The... <laughs> yes, um, this is the one that is um, uh, watching over, like, 
sorry, I'm like blanking out today. Um, they are the one doing the auditing and, and basically watching over like how um, all the different like departments are performing in the city, in their city services. Land use and transportation deals with like housing, recreation, and trans. They are kind of like the um, BOS version of our own um, housing, recreation, and transit committee. Public safety and neighborhood services, very explanatory of like how of what this is doing. Rules is the one that is dealing with the ones that go to the ballot. So like charter amendments go to like the Bill 16 charter amendment goes into the public, um, the rules committee, the appointments go through the rules committee. Homelessness and behavioral health select committee. Um, this is actually a completely new one this year. They are the ones that is addressing like homelessness and, and drug use and like behavioral health um, within our city. Any questions? Also, lots. Perfect. Um, our, the life of a legislation in the Youth Commission is a lot shorter. Having the legislation written, um, you are all the ones who will be writing your resolutions, your motions. Staff is also here to like help you like research, um, help you write if necessary, all of that. Um, and then What's different in the Youth Commission is that legislation can be either introduced in the full commission or in your committee. They, a, a lot of times, um, yes. A point of personal privilege. To the chair? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Usually you work on a lot of issues actually um, in your committees. So this is why like resolutions generally come out of the committees with either a recommendation or no recommendation. But hopefully if you're working with your commissioners, you have their recommendation. Um, so if in committee obtain a recommendation from the committee and then uh, it goes to the full commission, um, first reading, second reading, and then um, you obtain a majority vote and the approval of the commission. Any questions? No? Okay, so just really quick about how to like read this document. Um, the, the, our LAOs deal with this document the most, but usually when you look at a list of a BOS agenda, uh, you, you should pay attention to these couple of things. So the file number is very helpful for you going into Legislar, which is the legislation system um, that they use. What type of, of legislation this is, they will either tell you this is an ordinance, a resolution, and a charter amendment, a motion, a hearing. Uh, what is the title of the legislation, the sponsors, and where is it assigned to? Generally, they'll tell you if it's under the 30 days rule in a committee or refer to a, the full board without committee reference. But with that information, you can explore um, Legislar. This is how it looks like when you first get in there. This is the simplified version. You, what you can do is you can narrow it by year and like what type of legislation it is, and then you search. But I personally really like the advanced look of this because it, because um, I can be a lot more specific. Um, so for example, with Bill 16, if you type Bill 16 into Legistar, nothing will pop up. So what you should know about the vote 16 um, in 2020 is that the, it was sponsored by Supervisor Norman Yee. That's how you narrow it down. He was the primary sponsor. 
The type of legislation is that it is a charter amendment and it was introduced in 2020. And with that, you can actually like find out, uh, he only had three charter amendments in 2020, so it wasn't that, that hard. So you can look into here and what's important for you is basically the legislation version one and final versions. You can see like what changed in between. The digest is super helpful, especially if you don't like reading the full document and you just read a short version of it. What presentations were there? So there's a report from the controller. There is um, the Youth Commission had correspondence with that. Department of Elections gave a presentation. And then public correspondence, essentially, like that's the public comment of what people thought about uh, Vote 16. So that is the end of legislations. Um, do you all have any questions? Commissioner Yeh. Sorry, just a really quick general um, general question. Um, will these slides be available to us after this meeting? Yes. Okay, thank you. Any other questions? Yeah. Um, what's the 30-day rule? The 30-day rule is essentially a period where the Board of Supervisors cannot take action on their legislation, so then um, um, the public can provide um, public comment and their thoughts on the legislation. It's also a great time for the Youth Commission if they are interested in any legislations to um, hear it and then provide our own feedback um, and recommendation. How would a commissioner request a piece of legislation be referred? Great question. Um, legislative Affairs Officers, would you like to answer that? Go ahead. <laughs> well, um, you could come talk to us about it and then we can kind of see how it relates to the Youth Commission's priority and if it makes a lot of sense for the Commission to cover it. In the mic. Oh, am I not close enough? Sorry. And then, um, yeah, we should also be in contact with a lot of you guys just asking if you're interested in certain legislation as well. So. Hopefully it's a two-way street here, not just one way. Earth, anything? Yes? Um, I think to add to that is, um, so every Thursday or Friday, it depends, um, on the main board of supervisors website, um, there's a hyperlink to the legislation um, introduced. So if you're ever curious, like what the board of supervisors are putting together, you can look at it on like a Thursday night or like a Friday morning. Um, and my suggestion would be if there's any like legislation that you find super interesting, like just um, email or text Jason or sorry, uh, Commissioner uh, or Officer Fong <laughs> um, and Officer Adair. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So this is the website um, legislation introduced. Um, it's the main SFBOS website and. It's just right here, and they have all the ones they they always need to upload one. Yes. Any last questions? Yes. Um, I think one thing to add is sometimes um, a supervisor may talk about legislation, and they don't upload that until like two weeks later. So um, if there's something that like, your supervisor is like talking about, like oh I'm gonna introduce this, or you know 
something like that um just like let staff know and we can like just have like an like a look out for it yeah. anything else no okay if you have any questions feel free to come to staff go to the exact officers especially your laos and yeah thank you so much for your attention thank you um i will just add like two things one is that it, this is complicated and weird and i still have questions and i've been doing this is my third year on the commission um so there's no stupid questions, especially when they're about legislation, which is important because one of our primary responsibilities is to review legislation that the supervisors are discussing um, and voting on and to give our input on behalf of young people in San Francisco, which is a very big job. So it's okay. Um, I'd also just say it's kind of fun to poke around the websites of the Board of Supervisors and of the Youth Commission website. Um, both of which I think if you just look up like SF Board of Supervisors and SF Youth Commission, you'll find. Um, and by law, they have to basically record everything. Um, it's called the Brown Act. And that includes and the Sunshine Ordinance. Um, and so you can find any piece of legislation that they've debated up until like, I don't know, I've seen, they have like stuff from like the 80s on there. Um, everything that the Youth Commission has done before, including the like last Youth Commission term, um, letters that people have sent, it's all in the record. So if you're ever looking for something, you can find it. And if you ever need any help, reach out to staff and they will search through the deep dark webs of SF government with you. Um, and if there's no further questions, we'll go ahead and move to item, can you please call item 11? Um, item 11 is committee reports. Should we go first? Yeah, sorry. So, um, uh, Officer Fong and I, um, well, we'll start off, you know, recapping earlier, earlier today, we were pleased to have, um, BOS file 230446 referred, um, and we're excited to talk more about zoning laws at our next commission meeting. If you have any, you know, questions, comments, concerns about that legislation, um, definitely reach out to us before now and then. Um, we anticipate that there might be some, um, there may be potential disagreement, but um, we want to make sure that we have a good dialogue as a commission and we can, um, you know, um, come, to a, come to a good decision. And then secondly, um, and you can also talk about this more, but um, uh, in regards to um, several supervisors, um, sponsoring the legislation which will um or sponsoring resolution to support um expanding algebra to eighth grade in sfusd schools yeah i think there was two items that were on the website that joy just showed us which is the like legislation introduced and one of them is the actual resolution itself um to urge Sorry. Just make sure to speak into the mic or else we can't hear it in the recording. Yeah, okay, sorry. Um, yeah, so like I'll backtrack here. So to reiterate, um, the website that Joy just showed us, which has the legislation introduced uh, for this week, had two items regarding Algebra 1 in SFUSD schools. Uh, the first one was the resolution itself um, that was urging the Board of Education to implement 
algebra one and then the second one um was hearing and basically we were wondering if you guys would like to it's referred already okay so remotioning to have it you're essentially reporting that it will it is referred to the youth commission and will be in the next youth commission meeting got it so both of them will be referred in at our next youth commission meeting and then um you know one more note we're also having um uh two three zero nine eight eight referred which is um it's a it's it's to regulate um cannabis dispensaries um there's already a law in the books which prohibits uh new dispensaries being uh being built within 600 feet of schools but this le this piece of legislation would amend that to also include daycare centers we'll talk about that more but um that's also going to be on the docket next meeting thank you communications and outreach officers okay um Smart of that, me and Commissioner Will, we are your uh, comms outreach officers for this term. We just have a couple points we want to cover. So, as you might have seen on the Instagram that from last year, that there were some intro posts for the executive committee. This year, we have decided that we are we want to expand that to the whole committee. So, what we have done is uh, there will be a form going out sometime this week. Yeah, some sometime this week. It'll it's just an intro form. It's pretty much to get to know you. It'll have, excuse me, it'll have a couple of questions, just like paper spots or just go, stuff like that, that will go on the Instagram along with your headshot and your district, which I think are done in October. So just be kind of looking out for that form and please try to get the form in as soon as possible just so we can start kind of making the templates and putting everything together so when we get the headshots, we can all just start sending things out. Um, and another thing on the idea of intro post, we were thinking about for committees, I know we picked our committees, HRT, TJ, and CEC, did I get that one right? Okay, um, so yeah, and we wanted to do was take intro photos of the committees, the people that are on it, and the way we would like to do this is kind of do some more fun, kind of youth way, as I'm sure you've all heard of 0.5 photos. Um, we were thinking of, we would also love to hear your, your ideas on this, of a 0.5 photo of your chair would be the one taking the photo and everybody in it just interesting hi like we are the committee <laughs> I, I thought you wanted me to take a picture of the entire commission i was like i don't have those skills <laughs> i mean who knows maybe we can work on that but <laughs> we'll see um but yeah for now i think we're just doing like this one oh so yeah hrt today cdc and maybe exact two we'll see but yeah these are just pretty much seeing kind of what committee we're on these will be pretty basic just a photo what I think the committee is and what it entails and just your names and districts. Um, and yeah, I think I'll hand it off to Commissioner. Yeah, and then this year we want to focus more on doing like outreach in public schools and the schools that we all go to. So we're going to start that with like presentations. Um, they're hopefully going to be given by the commissioners that go to the schools, but then we're hoping for smaller schools for um, there to be like almost like an event almost at the school with a presentation that goes through things like how city government works or um, what the youth commission is doing and how you can apply. It'll be like an info session almost, but for the bigger schools and like for like the SFUSC public schools, we're hoping to film like an intro video. Um, we're <laughs> hoping that video will be kind of fun, but like it'll also be really like, informative for the youth wanting to apply to the Youth Commission. And then on the side, um, I'm working on updating all the icons on the Instagram for our highlights, so it'll be a lot more like prettier and a lot more like standardized. Really exciting.
I just want to add one more thing. We did get some feedback a little bit, um, especially about the logo of the Youth Commission Instagram. We had some feedback at the last exact meeting. We have been told that it, I believe it looks like a birdcage. So we are going to try to maybe either make that more professional or just kind of get some change with that. So if you all have any ideas or any input on what that should look like, please just let us know. And again, if you have any events or kind of organizations you want to reach out to or possibly get involved in the Youth Commission in some way, please reach out to us or, you know, your other, yeah, just reach out to us. And again, sign this term. And yeah, yeah. And last thing, I think also with like changing the logo, um, on the form we'll add like a color kind of thing. So like you guys can all like indicate like which colors or like what kind of colors you think will work really well together for our logo. Well, also I forgot to put this on the form, but so that's a lot of little add-on points. But I forgot to put this on the form. But if you can possibly think for the post, this could be an idea. If you wanted to tell us like your favorite mm -hmm. color, so we could make that as the background for your post, we could maybe do that. It's a lot, but. If you don't remember, it's fine, but we're just going to figure, kind of get a way to get to know you and kind of, yeah, it'll be a little chaotic, but it'll be cool. Thank you. I don't have a favorite color, so I'm not quite sure what to do about that, but uh, general committee updates. Okay, um, just for some general exec updates, I guess one of the main things we discussed in our past exec meeting was just goals for this year. Um, and like some of our main goals have been definitely increasing like our collaboration and presence in the community. Um, specifically with like community, community organizations, other departments in SF government, as well as like community members. So if y'all have any organizations um, that like you want the Youth Commission to partner with, definitely reach out to exec or like me or you in or Chair Barker Plumber. Um, hyphenated or? Hyphenated. Anyways. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Yeah, because we definitely, like with COVID and everything, we definitely want to like reestablish those connections. So yeah, um, and also some like other goals have been just like, yeah, increasing our like doing more outreach, doing more like tabling of more events. If y'all ideas, if y'all have any events y'all want us to table at too, please tell either like the comms officers or Chair Barker Plumber and me. And yeah, I think those are the main goals. And also just like youth councils, more youth councils. But yeah, um, and if y'all want to work on a youth council in your district, I guess reach out to LAO Fong. Yes, reach out to me. Um, if you need my contact information, uh, come find me after the meeting. Thanks. But yeah, I think that was our main update apart from the talking about the appointments. So and congratulations to Commissioner Ansari and Commissioner Lozano about that. Yeah, that's it. And I think I pass it to staff or you. For Commissioner Thunder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, I'll make this quick. So um, y'all have perfect attendance. Uh, woo! Yeah, keep it up. Um, as you know, we're very serious about um, attendance here in the commission. Um, if you miss more than three meetings that are unexcused, um, you will be asked to uh, resign from the commission. Um, I send bi-monthly uh, attendance updates to your uh, appointees so they're aware if you're showing up to meetings or not. Um, but yeah, if you have questions about just like attendance and like attendance policies, um, just reach out to staff. Thank you. Does that conclude exact report? Yeah. Great. And then Usually there will be reports from the other commit, uh, committees as well, but they haven't begun meeting quite yet or elected leadership. So I think probably by the next meeting we should have some 
maybe we'll see we'll see um also if you haven't responded to the questionnaire of when your committee should meet please do that like yesterday because that's information that staff really need um please call item 12. um item 12 is staff reports coolsies go ahead um i don't have a staff report for today's meeting I don't either, but I think what would be a good idea, since I know, um, I think only CEC has a time currently, um, maybe after this meeting very quickly, if HRT and TJ folks can just assemble with me and Pondra so we can solidify the time today, then we don't have to wait for Google Forms. Um, but yeah, I think that would be really helpful if folks can just, you know, if you're in HRT, come to me after the meeting, and if you're in TJ, come to Alondra, and we can just figure it out today. Um, but that's all for me. Bless the fact we have a smaller committee. <laughs> um, so CEC will be meeting the second and fourth Mondays of the month at 6 p.m. However, because the second Monday of this month is Indigenous Peoples Day, so um, we will hold a special inaugural uh, meeting. Um, in addition to that, um, your picture day will be October 16th, so your next full YC meeting. Please get here by 4.30. We will start taking pictures at 4.30, and we will, um, we will end a little um, into the beginning. So we're going to start Youth Commission meeting at 5.15. So like, please get here around 4.30, uh, hopefully before 5, because I also want a full group picture and then your committee pictures, all of that. Um, so yeah, come here in your best looks. Thank you. Thank you. And if you need examples for what you should wear, I think the old commissioner pictures are on the website. Oh, yeah. oh they are. They are. Yes. There's a former commissioner's page, I think, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Does that conclude? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Please call item 13. Okay. Um, item 13 is announcements, including community events. Thank you. This is a time for anyone to share announcements, including community events. Commissioner Ye. Yes. Yeah, so on August, sorry, October 7th, there will be a Sunset Autumn Moon Festival from, uh, let's see, 12 p.m. to 5 p.m. And uh, I've been communicating with our comms officers to possibly set up a table. So if anyone's interested, please let us know. Can we be the date? October 7th, this Saturday. Any other announcements? Yeah. Commissioner Aliotto Pierre. Can I make one right now about the Youth Commission or no? Sure. It's about CEC. Sure. It's not going to catch you up. Catch up for it. Anyway. Okay. What's up, you guys? Um, if any of you know anybody who wants to or would be willing to work on Vote 16 with the Youth Commission and are open second and fourth Mondays of the month at 6 p.m., Please have them contact me, you and anybody on CEC, Joy, anywhere like that. We're just looking for more people that we can have join in on this work. 
Thank you. And any committee or task force that may be created can have non-voting members. CEC is specifically recruiting, but also that is an option open to all committees. And task forces, should they be created by a vote of the commission? Which is also a thing you can do. Um, any other announcements? Seeing none, please call item 14. Um, item 14 is adjourned. Thank you. This meeting is adjourned at 7.42 p.m. Woo.